In this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, I'm doing something I've done many, 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 many times before, but in a car, in fact, a brand I have never, ever driven before. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm on the M1 and let's start with a coincidence. Don't you love coincidence? I just pulled onto the bottom of the M1 having left the North Circular on my route to North Wales and the moment that I came down the slip road, the music on the sound system of this car that I'm driving decided to play Autobahn by Kraftwerk. Serendipity. Do you remember the police made an entire album about serendipity? Certainly a single. Was it an album as well? A happy coincidence. But is it a happy coincidence? Autobahn, you know, evokes German motorway driving, probably in a German car. An Audi, a BMW, a Mercedes, a Porsche, a Volkswagen. But I mean, none of those today on uh, British, English, you could say, motorway. I'm in a car which is a sort of a pretender to Teutonic dominance of premium automotive enjoyment. How about that for a sentence? (laughs) Hey, I'm driving a Genesis. A what? A Genesis. Genesis is a new brand. Yeah, we can call it new. The very first Genesis, I think, was 2008, wasn't it? That was a Hyundai Genesis. But then Hyundai decided to hive off the Genesis brand as a brand in its own right, in the way that Audi is to Volkswagen or Lexus is to Toyota. I think the Lexus to Toyota comparison is a lot more accurate, or even Infiniti as it was in the UK, to Nissan. So Hyundai decided, well, what does our brand stand for? It stands for good value, good engineering, innovation, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily stand for premium. And so if we want to grab that market where all the money is, we need a premium brand. So they looked at what they had and thought, well, either we can invent an entirely new one or we take one of our brands that's vaguely well-known and hammer that and so hived off Genesis as a brand in its own right so it's not a Hyundai in the same way that a Lexus isn't a Toyota it's part of the Toyota Corporation and Genesis is part of the Hyundai Kia Corporation but it's not a Hyundai obviously it's going to draw on the Hyundai parts bin and the Hyundai experience in engineering and technology but the idea is to sell it as a very different experience in fact it is a very different experience because if you buy a Genesis you can't buy it from a Hyundai dealership or even a Genesis dealership because there are no Genesis dealerships there are I think they're called brand experience centers which are kind of like high street shops I think there's one in the Westfield shopping center in London at the moment and they're rolling out a few around the country so you look at your cars online go to the Genesis website yep makes sense 
go to the brand experience centre, I think that's what they're called, meet some people there, climb over a car, get a feel for the textures of the car, perhaps book a test drive, and if you're going to spend the kind of money that you need to spend on a premium car, you're going to drive it first, aren't you? You're going to say, well, you know, I've got a choice between this or an Audi or a Mercedes or a BMW or a Jaguar or a Land Rover. I want to know if it matches it. So that's what I aim to find out over the five or six days I've got this car. I'm going to take it on a big drive to North Wales, do the big motorway thing, do the city thing, do the countryside thing, and get to know this car. All I can tell you at the moment are the initial impressions of the car. It is a Hyundai GV70 Luxury, which means this car is... Well, I was going to say it's sort of BMW X3 size, but I think it's a bit bigger than an X3. I think it's sort of X4. It's not quite an X5. What would that make it? About the same size as an Audi Q4? Somewhere between a 3 and a 5. There is a bigger one. They call it the GV80. And... That comes with bigger engines, of course, bigger body. But this is, yeah, big enough. Feels like a big car. Feels like a heavy car. Feels like a heavy, well-engineered car is what I'm trying to say. Right, people want a big, stalwart, solid SUV. We'll give them that. I don't know what the actual measurements of the car are, but it feels commodious, you know, wide. I'm sitting in a big, hard, Germanic seat beautiful interior really they have done very well if you get into this car and you think yeah is it a posh hyundai everything about it would tell you that it isn't it would tell you that it's well this is a jag could it be an aston martin yeah really it's that good the sort of quality and weight of the leather and the tone of the interior is very interesting it's a curious colour. The outside colour of the car is a sort of greyish maroon. I say that with a question mark with a rising tone because I'm really not certain how to describe it. I'm going to look and find out what it is that Genesis call it in their brochures. But a kind of a greyish, brownie, muted maroon. It's nice very grown up very subtle and I was discussing the colour of the car with Mike the chap who delivered it to my house I'm talking about delivery I was saying when you buy the car you go and look at the car in the brand experience centre then you order it then it's delivered to your house and then whenever it needs a service or you need help you don't go to a Genesis dealership because there aren't any you don't take it to a Hyundai dealership because no it's a Genesis you're Genesis personal assistant collects a car from your house for you gives you a courtesy car, yeah, it's a premium car it's one of those sort of deals and they whisk it off, do whatever needs doing to it, then bring it back to you when it's done, so you can see that Genesis are selling a sort of a premium experience aren't they, not just a premium car, they're doing the whole package thing, that kind of valet, oh don't worry we'll take care of that for you sir sort of thing talking about the muted tones on the outside and it's a good looking car on the outside it's an SUV 
But the third box, the third element of the two box... Haha, hang on, is it a three box? No, it's a two box, because it's like an estate. The line that is from the top of the rear door down to the boot height is a sweeping curve that reminds me of only one other car I can think of at the moment and that was the Impreza Estate. Do you remember how the back end of the classic one from the 90s was, we used to call it a hold-all. So more of a hatch than an estate. You know, an estate might have a straight extended roof which suddenly drops down to the boot line. But this has an almost coupe hatchy kind of fall-off thing. And it's nice. Yeah, it's cheeky. Yeah, I like it. It's distinctive. And when I... Okay, I'm going to tell you now. I'll tell you about the rest of the Genesis. I nearly said Hyundai. Sorry. Tell you about the rest of the Genesis range. Because they've got a couple of saloons, the G70 and the G80. A couple of SUVs, the GV70 and the GV80. Like versatile, like Volvo have for the bigger voluminous car uh, they have a I think they've got a G80 electrified coming soon as well which is a pure electric car that'll be interesting can't wait to drive that but they've also got a G80 shooting brake wait what a shooting brake you say yeah that got my attention I love a shooting brake but it appears to be one of these modern shooting brakes not what I call an actual proper shooting brake which as you know by the articles of shooting brakeness defined by Gareth Jones on speed a proper shooting brake has to be what was essentially a coupe a two-door coupe that's now been converted to a three-door long body low roof estate not five-door yes there are five-door shooting brakes now and there have been a few in the past there have been conversions of four-door cars four-door sporting cars into shooting brakes but i really think that they were sporting estates so if it's got five doors it's a sporting estate if it's got three doors it's definitely a shooting brake so i'm interested in driving the genesis shooting brake when it's out and curiously that car shares a lot of platform and components with the Kia Stinger, which, as you know, I drove on this programme and loved to bits. And I remember saying at the end of that programme, oh, I wish there was a sporting three-door version of this that was a shooting brake. I'd love it even more. And lo and behold, that's almost come true. Yeah, it's a five-door, but okay, maybe it is a shooting brake. But anyway, back to this car, the smaller of the two big SUVs that Genesis make. Yeah everything about the interior is bang on no really really you sit on the seats they're solid it has a sweepy leathery dash with lots of aluminium and i really do think it is aluminium not plastic that looks like aluminium because it marks actually just touching it it's 
it's not told like aluminium so maybe it is plastic that looks like aluminium but it's very convincing and all the aluminium stuff gets really grubby gets really greasy thumb marks really quickly around the knurled knob and it is a nice knurled knob for your drive control it's got three illuminated buttons above the knurled knob which sits on the centre console R for reverse N for neutral D for drive it's got a big P button in the middle of the knurled knob which is perfect so you know when you start bang pop it in park some cars have a button sort of a lifty button for the electronic parking brake and that's okay actually I prefer this because it's right on your drive control it's in the right place so ergonomically that's correct I already have one ergonomic criticism of this car but I've adapted to it but it took me half an hour to adapt to it and I'm only what uh, an hour and a half into driving this car now the thing that confused me slightly was nearest to your wrist you might say on the centre console is the knurled knob for the drive but above that you've got another silver less knurled knob that controls your volume and your menu for your infotainment system and a couple of times when I first got in the car I turned the drive knob thinking that I was controlling the infotainment system and then went to turn the infotainment knob and I thought I was putting it in park I've only done that once and I seem to have overcome that now that's okay that can happen but they are in the right place actually are they in the right place because your drive you know your gear stick as it were your gear knob is closer at hand than the infotainment and I think you're more likely to use the infotainment than you are the knurled knob aren't you because you're only going to engage the knurled knob when you start and park and the infotainment you're probably going to fiddle with all the time caught out on that one just an observation this car has got some novel features which I love. I love novelty. I wouldn't say novelty. It's a bit unfair, isn't it? Novel features. Features I've not encountered previously in a car. And there are two I haven't dared try yet. And there's one which just happens randomly, which I really like. Really like. When you look at the dash, oh, what a display it's got. Oh, big, lovely, clear, very nicely done digital graphic screen you know they're not real instruments but they look right they look quality they look shiny they look solid it's all in the brand message isn't it but if you want to change lane it does a really sweet thing you indicate and the right hand element of your dash so on the left hand side you've got your speedo and on the right hand side you've got your revs which work the rev-ometer is it called odometer what's it called tachometer the tachometer is anti-clock so zero is bottom right and it goes all the way around to 6,000 revs top left don't ever remember seeing that before that's new it's okay slightly counterintuitive when I first looked at it I thought wow seems to be revving high the needle's all the way over round about you know 4 o'clock oh no I'm only doing 1500 revs it's anti-clock interesting but as I was saying that dash changes when you indicate if I indicate right the tachometer vanishes and you get a circular video image 
of what's on the right hand side of the car there must be a camera I think in the door handles or in the wing mirror I haven't located it exactly yet but it gives you this image of what's going on behind you and because your dash changes you notice you know the blink comparator thing do you know how was it Pluto that was discovered that way taking shots of an open bit of space you would never notice if something new was there unless you compared it to what wasn't there before or a shot of the space yeah and if you make a comparison you notice a change wait something has changed it's like spot the difference um because you get spot the difference effect in the dash you notice what's going on it causes your attention to be drawn to that dash and so you make an observation a judgment whether it's safe to overtake so i've got slightly distracted i was talking about the party tricks of this car so this car's party trick is to flash up an image in the dash of what's going on behind you and that gets your attention nice i like that it's got two other party tricks as well one is that that whole overtaking thing will happen automatically if you're in the right mode. Let me see if I'm in it now. I'm actually in... Okay, it's not doing it now. Okay, I'm not in the right mode, clearly. I'm using lane control. I'm using steering assistance. I'm using cruise control, variable cruise control. But the party trick this car will do is if you indicate if it's safe, like a Tesla it will change lanes and do the overtaking for you. Now, it didn't do it then, probably because I haven't engaged the correct mode, and I'm going to have to look into exactly how to do that by pressing buttons or reading the manual, which I will do at some point. When I'm more experienced with the car, I will test that out. Uh, I'm intrigued by that. It works. I've seen it work in a Tesla, and it will only do it when it's safe, and you can see that it's got cameras and lidar and sonar or whatever looking around the car so it's a self-aware car it should be able to do that safely it's got two of the party tricks it will self-park if you're in the car and you ask it to and again i don't like testing that when i'm in london i don't mind doing that in a large open space just so i understand how it works before i use it in a city space I think if you can't park a car yourself you shouldn't be driving it so you don't need that sort of park assistance but another thing it does is I don't know what Genesis call it if it's a parking valet or something like that but if you park your car and someone comes and parks alongside you and it's quite a wide car so it's a bit tight to get into the door from outside the car using the remote which is a nice remote yes i know i've got my hands off the wheel i reached to get the remote to show you hang on where is the remote deep down in one of the massive spaces in between the two front seats a nice heavy remote if you press one of the remote buttons oh, i can see actually it's labeled there's a p forward and a p backward button so there's there's actually six buttons on the remote and p forward and p back it will creep the car forward or backward for you <laughs> from outside it's a giant remote controlled i won't say radio controlled it's not radio is it it's a giant remote controlled car it will creep forward to a point where you can open the door and get in or if you want to park it in a tight space you can 
do that from outside the car. I think I have just the place in North Wales where I'm staying where I can test that out. I'm really looking forward to doing that. That's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's an exciting car. I've been genuinely excited about driving this car. Yes, my hands are on the wheel again. Genuinely excited about getting this car for a great number of reasons. Number one, it's a product of the Hyundai Corporation and you know how much I adore what Hyundai do for all the right reasons. You know, I've never said that I'm a brand fan for Hyundai. I love their engineering. They've made some great cars and they're brave. They take on the Toyota Corporation, do everything Toyota do. City cars, good value cars, luxury cars, fuel cell cars, hybrids. Well done, Hyundai. And now they're taking on the premium brand thing with Genesis. So I thought, that's something I want to explore. I was genuinely excited. So I am excited about this car and my initial impressions are really good. It does feel premium. I have observations about the brand's name, Genesis though. But I will save that. I'll save that for later on. I will tell you about that in my conclusions to the car when I've driven it for a few days. But I'm now going to go and explore this car. Yes, and I will keep my hands on the steering wheel. I will explore this car and enjoy this car and hopefully share that enjoyment with you right here on Gareth Jones on Speed. Motorway update, motorway update. You know how we were talking recently on Gareth Jones on Speed about sharing the love, how wonderful Alex Goy gets to drive an extraordinary panoply of vehicles all the time in his role as a motoring journalist and I was trying to engineer a way in which Zog might get to drive one of those amazing cars in the future when it becomes Alex's turn to drive a Bugatti because nobody would enjoy that more than Zog. So here's some love I'm going to share for you. In It's only what five minutes since I last recorded the introduction to this program about the car and I've just passed two really really interesting cars oh damn it phone I'll call you in I'll, hang on stand by sorry about that I'm back with you now after a phone conversation okay here's an opportunity to talk about the infotainment system in the car it's got a massive screen the screen which sits on the dash is as long as from my elbow to my wrist and a little bit almost up to my knuckles it's so long it's not 16 by 9 it's not 21 by 9 it's probably 28 by 9 it's huge which allows you to configure that screen so in a sub panel I've got all my media information the right hand side I've got nav information oh it's got a heads up display as well this car the best heads up display I've ever experienced in a car I've had a few over the years but this one is great because it puts the focal length of the heads up display I would say virtually and I do mean properly virtual it's a virtual image in the original sense about six inches to a foot, sorry, 15 centimetres to 30 centimetres ahead of the bonnet. 
which is kind of nice. It's in your peripheral vision, just lower than your centre view, and it's got all sorts of data there. It's got the speed limit, the speed I'm doing now, my nav information, where my next turn is, the distance to the next turn, and it doesn't feel like overloaded, and that focus change that you have to make from the horizon to the near horizon for this isn't too difficult it's really good and you can change the height of that position as well of course that's crucial depending on the seat position and the height of the driver right sorry that was good that wasn't what i meant to tell you about what i meant to talk about was sharing the love of these two interesting cars that i've seen the first one was an ivy green aston martin zagato and it looked like an old one. I don't think it was sort of a continuation. This was a really, really old one. And forgive me for not knowing exactly which one it was, but it was a small Zagato. I don't know what Aston's were small. DB4 Zagato would it have been? It didn't look like a big car. Oh, it was pretty. Been driven by a very elegant woman in her 60s, I would say. Long back hair, looked like she could have been a... Economy Street model in the 60s. Brilliant. What a combination. That was genuinely cool. But the other car I saw, which was joining the motorway from a slip road and from a service station, and I think struggling <laughs> to make the pace, <laughs> was, I think... Now, again, forgive me, I only got a glance at it. It was bright yellow... And it was a Vauxhall Viva HC. I only got a glance at it for a second. Now, the HC was the last of the Vivas. HA, little small box you on. HB, late 60s, early 70s one. HC, the final Viva, with that nice Pontiac sort of triangular nose in the middle of the grill. I always liked that car, even though I was a Ford man. Always admired the HC, the rival to the Cortina Mark III, of course. I think it was the HC, is that right? Yeah. And it was a two-door. And I don't think it was a Forenza. Because I think later on, the Viva two-door was sold as the Forenza, wasn't it? Apart from the droop-snood version, there was a ordinary nose friends two-door but i'm pretty sure this was a viva and forgive me for not being well up enough on european or british general motors of the 60s and 70s to be able to answer that right now i only got a glance at the car but i will look into it and i hope you do too because one of the things i hope on gareth jones on speed is that we promote a dialogue not just between you and your other pals who are interested in cars because i consider me zog sarah and alex your pals even though we've not met we're your virtual pals so if you want to have a dialogue with us about anything that you've noticed about cars or things that we've said on the program please get in touch you know my twitter address at gareth jones tv you know the gareth jones on speed email address on speed at gareth jones.tv drop us a line it'd be lovely to hear what you're thinking or go to the gareth jones on speed facebook page just search gareth jones on speed you'll find it or go to my website garethjones.tv there are lots of links on how to get in contact with us there. i'd love to hear your opinion so yeah i've just seen two lovely cars one from the 60s one from the early 70s i think or yeah early 70s and if i see any other vehicles on this drive i will be sure to tell you about them as well
at the risk of sounding like Christopher Reeve's version of Superman when he's being Clark Kent. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know when you get a car you haven't driven before and you're not that familiar with all the equipment and the buttons and what they do? I'm exploring trying to find this automatic lane-changing thing. Because earlier on I engaged the indicator and it said to activate lane-changing, press the OK button. So I did that, and I pressed the OK button, and it didn't activate, because oh, I was clearly in the wrong mode, didn't activate the lane changing, but it, I saw a new display option came up at the bottom, which said 3D mode. I went OK, and it gave me 3D mode on the, I just discovered something else as well, it gave me 3D mode on the display here, and 3D mode is unique. I've never seen this before. You know, it's a digital display. It has layered the digital display. The speedo and the tachometer are now behind the sensor details, which give you, you know, the speed, your miles per gallon, how long you've been driving, all that stuff. It's got depth. I don't know how it's achieved that, whether it's got two glass layers or there's some clever drop shading going on or indeed it's a combination of both those things but if I move my head around the near ground stuff has a parallax effect to the further away stuff you know how the near stuff stays still and the further stuff seems to move its position you know when you've got a stick near and a stick far the stick farther away seems to change it I was moving my head then could you hear in the stereo you know the relative positions are different that's an interesting novel detail I like that I don't know what it does other than you know allows you to point out oh look what this car can do where there's any benefit in that other than making it look real but it really is unique yeah oh my gosh oh my gosh Oh, I'm just passing a car transporter with two very mashed up, fairly new cars. One looks like a Golf R on it, with all one side missing, and the other one was a BMW. Well, it was half a BMW. Oh, horrible, horrible. Uh, I've seen some nice things on this journey as well, though. Have you ever noticed the rear lights on a Polestar? just came up behind a Polestar 2 you know the Polestar saloon that they have at the moment that shares some of its running gear with the Volvo V40 or V60 not certain and have you seen the rear lights it's a work of art they're like coach lights almost hard to describe other than it's a broken rectangle huge rectangle taking up the entire boot of the car with a gap along the top very distinctive as soon as I saw it in the distance I thought I bet that's a Polestar and I had to come off my cruise control in this car put my foot down catch it up just to have a look and yeah yeah definitely a Polestar I've also seen something else you don't see very often on the roads as well a TR7 another yellow 70s car a yellow 70s TR7 
and that was round about Birmingham and I'm actually heading to Liverpool at the moment I'm going to North Wales I'm going via Liverpool to see number two son who's there studying mathematics and I think I'm going to pass past speak the old Triumph TR7 factory the old Triumph factory anyway which is where they used to build the TR7 I remember the launch colour I think was that colour yellow for the car so yeah yeah car spotting is fun yes oh, oh press ok to enable lane change assist ok I've been experimenting with lane change assist I haven't managed to get it working yet I don't quite follow it I'm going to have to read some instructions about it but I have been exploring the options on the drivetrain and the dash of this car because like a lot of cars this one comes with several different drive modes there's sport where the dash goes slightly orange nice there's the default mode comfort all very grown up and silvery blue and then there's eco and this got my attention because eco goes sort of a digital sky blue and the graphics are very digital <laughs> I wish I could think of a better word really but more sort of contemporary and electronic quite noticeable difference to the standard comfort setup nice nice and I did a tiny bit of reading I stopped to go to the toilet earlier on did a quick read on the car and that thing I was talking about the parallax effect on the dash when you move your head apparently the dash has got a camera which follows my eye movements can read the position of my eye and moves the dash in the opposite direction yes I know I've got my hand off the wheel moves the dash in the opposite direction to make it appear as if parallax is happening that's clever very original very interesting I like it I do like this car yeah and I was just looking at the price as well it's 43 grand for this model which I think was the luxury edition and there's no haggling when you buy a Genesis sorry mate that's the price that's it it comes with everything that's it and I suppose if you haven't got a dealer to buy a car from you're buying online then you're less likely to be able to haggle anyway but I think at 43 grand it's tapping into the whole Hyundai good value thing really isn't it even though it is a proper premium car and it is a proper premium car it's quiet it's so quiet despite the fact that it's got a 2.2 litre diesel four cylinder engine with a turbo it's quiet it rumbles a bit in town but once you get up to cruise very quiet listen nothing to hear really is there gonna go past the truck here we go carrying hay Yeah, I think it insulates the sound outside as well. It feels like a heavy car, so I bet it's got thick glass. It hasn't got double glazing, but I bet it's got thick glass. Because it does seem like a proper cosseted environment, which is what you want, isn't it, from a premium brand. Did I mention the logo, the Genesis logo? Have you seen it? It's a shield with Genesis written across it, and then a pair of slightly feathery, flighty wings either side of it and when you glance at the car from outside and you get a glance at that logo above the grill and you see the grill a very sporting grill if you weren't paying attention you might think oh it's an Aston Martin oh ooh, is it a Bentley oh 
or is it a Chrysler? Do you remember Chrysler? With the, uh, what was it called? The 300? Had that sort of slightly Bentley-esque quality about it, but you got inside and it was all horrible American plastics and cheap Chrysler bits. But none of that is evident in this car. They have worked very hard at separating this car from Hyundai. And Hyundai stuff is very good. Did I mention I had a Hyundai Tucson for five weeks this summer? When I did my swim from South Wales to North Wales, I pitched around for car companies to see if they would supply me a vehicle that would be appropriate for what I needed. And Hyundai said, would you like a Tucson? Yeah. Medium size, smallish, small medium SUV. I had loads of swimming equipment with me. I was going to be on rough terrain, you know, fields and parks and next to lakes. So I needed something with a bit of height to it. So that was the perfect car and it was great. But the best thing about that Tucson was what I remember describing to people at the time as being almost Lexus level of comfort and quietness because it was a hybrid it was a 48 volt mild hybrid and that hybrid as you know smooths out any rumble it was a petrol engine it wasn't a diesel so it was quieter than any diesel but it really was quite silky I mean amazingly good car and I was astonished just how good that was yes another good car from Hyundai and then I realised it got one of the European car awards best SUV I think from a business magazine I'm not sure which one but I'm not at all surprised it was a great car and I guess this is sort of building on that this car isn't a hybrid though it's an old fashioned diesel turbo 4 so I'm guessing any of the refinement that this car manages is probably from an encapsulated engine and balancers and all that kind of thing it does grumble a little bit initially but it does settle down but I would imagine if this was a hybrid it would be really quiet and I'm imagining that the electric version the uh, well the electric version of the saloon that they're going to make the G80 electrified I think it's called I bet that's silent really really interesting Ooh, listen to that that's not this car Ooh, passing another Polish registered car transporter that's howling it's actually set my tinnitus off I've now got tinnitus in the background of that frequency as well Oh, growing old it's a marvellous thing but when you're driving a nice premium lovely car like this perhaps you could say that you're growing old gracefully Hello, this part of Gareth Jones on Speed is brought to you by Sam Pellegrino Lemonade, which I've just <laughs> half a can of, so if I burp during this next section, I do apologise. I'm sitting at Corley Services on my way home from North Wales to London, having paused to have something to eat. I haven't stopped because there's anything wrong with the car and I've barely had to stop to put fuel in. In fact, let, let's just have a look at the data on screen about how far... In fact, he'd worked for a decade... Yeah, we don't need to, to hear Radio 4, the news, no. Let's just have a look at what it's telling me if I scroll through. Um, now, it's now shut up with your Radio 4! Why did you do that when I scrolled? Okay, I'm scrolling through the display at the moment, trying to find, telling me the urea level. Yeah, it's a diesel, it needs fuel, it needs urea, of course. I've been seeing about 48 miles to the gallon. 
in my data that the car has gathered. I'll turn it off again now, which is pretty useful. It's not like the 60 miles per gallon my friend Steve gets from his Honda Civic. But then this is a very different car. This is a luxury car, isn't it? So luxurious, I'm going to read through some of the spec that comes with it. Remote start parking assist. Remote start parking automatically controls the steering wheel, vehicle speed and gear shifts to assist the driver when parking and exiting. I haven't used any automatic parking. I haven't been able to use the highway driving assist too, which allows you to change lanes. There's a button that comes up on screen that says hit OK to use lane change assist. And as I understand it, you then click the indicator and it decides whether or not it's safe to change lanes or not. I haven't been able to get that to work. I'm sure it works. I'm sure it's a user thing. But I'm going to come back to that old thing of it should be instinctive. It should be obvious. Do this, do that, and it happens. It didn't. That's the only downside. Something that this car has, I haven't mentioned previously, it's got electronically controlled suspension with road preview. In other words, it uses its forward-facing camera, the ECS, to automatically detect upcoming road information like potholes, speed bumps, and it optimizes the suspension in real time. I've always avoided potholes personally, but have I noticed any? No, the ride on this car, the ride on this car, definitely a premium ride. I float around in comfort and comfort's a really good balance, I have to say. I've been floaty enough, but not so floaty as you drift around roundabouts. No, it's really planted. It genuinely is. It's got lovely front-to-rear balance with its four-wheel drive, even in comfort. And if you go between eco and sport and comfort, it's not a great deal of difference. You know, if you've got a hybrid car, you can make greater changes. But with a diesel 4, that's pretty much it, really. It might change down the eight-speed automatic gearbox a bit more quickly. Gearbox is great. Don't even think about it. There are paddles. Have I used them? Occasionally, when I'm doing back roads, most of the time the car is ready to go. The infotainment system, the display with augmented reality. It's the future. 14.5 inch. I said it was as long as my arm, didn't I? My forearm. The 3D instrument cluster we've talked about. Lane keep assist. Works really well. It really does stay more or less in the centre of the lane really well. It's like watching a 19-year-old drive rather than... Hush up with your rated people text messages getting read out. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it does all that. It reads your text messages really well. And when you get text messages from Phil Cornwell, the voice of Gilbert... It often is nonsense, and the car reads them really well. Highway drive assistant, smart cruise control, flawless. It maintains a very even velocity. It slows down early, but not too early, and not too late. It's got all that working very well indeed. High beam assist. It will turn on the headlamps, of course, when you need them. And having driven around Conway in the pitch black of North Wales... These are the best headlights on any car I have ever driven. Incredible. Turns night into day. Auto wipers, yeah, of course. Mobile phone connectivity, absolutely, that works a treat. The only thing I can't do, if I've been listening to my music on my phone and switched between, you know, my music folder and my podcast folder, forget back in the car, I can't do that from the car. I have no control over the 
file structure on my phone from the car. I have to do that from the phone. That's a slight drag. The car is a GV70, a 2.2 litre diesel, 8 ATAW drive, and it goes. The price of this model, 42,820. Price for the OU21 FRJ. Now, that may not be the car that I'm driving. It has a different number plate, but 50,000 pounds, 52,000 pounds. And I think you get a lot of car for that. It really does feel premium. I'm looking at prices now. The innovation pack, comfort seat pack, lovely. It's got something I've never encountered in a car before. Not only does the driver's seat move out of the way to allow you in and out, but so does the passenger seat. Much to the consternation of my friend Steve, who was concerned that the movement of that seat was going to crush a cake that he might carry on the floor behind. It'll just reverse into the cake. I don't put cakes there then, Steve. But will it stop? No, it won't. That's no good. Steve thinks of things in an unusual way. The Nappa leather seat pack. Yeah, the leather's great. Again, proper premium. Not premium like a Mondeo. You know how a Mondeo has just about everything that you find on a more expensive car, but it still doesn't make it premium, does it? Why is that? Well, this car manages to transgress that and definitely feels premium i don't know how it is you achieve that but i've been stopped by people a bloke in liverpool came alongside me asked me to wind down the window what's that mate a genesis you may sir that's right sir posh hyundai if lexus is a posh toyota this is a posh hyundai oh yeah it's defo posh he said job done eh job done 21 inch wheels yeah monster wheels does it feel heavy and cumbersome and awkward? Do the wheels destroy the ride? No, the ride's great. They've judged it really well. The Lexicon audio system. Yes, audio system bangs it out. What does this car like? It likes Gargavi and it likes Elbow. Now you know. It's got an electronic limited slip differential. These are all additions to probably this car I'm driving. No guarantee. Yes, it is this car. They've just re-registered it with a different number plate, like I said. What is it? GV70 SUV? I can't remember the number now. A sunroof. Massive sunroof that folds out of the way. Very slowly, but very deliberately and solidly. A finger reader authentication. Yep. Yeah. Touch the car, it unlocks and lets me in. How does it know it's me? And that colour that I wasn't certain what it was earlier on is called Barossa Burgundy. Yeah, it's burgundy. I said maroon, didn't I? But a sort of a brownie grey maroon is burgundy. Lovely. Shift by wire paddle shifters. Preview ECS. Electric parking brake with auto hold. Yeah, didn't even think about the parking brake. Ventilated front and rear disc brakes. Yeah, of course. Drive mode select. Oh, yeah, apart from the three drive modes, there's also a terrain select. You can choose loose terrain. What are the three options? Mud, gravel, sand. When I arrived at my friend Carol and Steve's, who live on a gravel path that's also muddy... I choose mud, never failed to get me out of it, and I have slipped and slid in their muddy bits before now. It's got everything. Smart cruise, rear blinds in the back windows to protect your babies from sunshine, forward collision avoidance, yeah, that worked once. Intelligent speed limit assist, it reads signs and what have you, and managed to keep up to date on that. It's got the lot. So there you go. That's not quite the conclusion, because I'm going to give you that on the last leg of the journey as I drive back to London and tell you 
exactly what I think this car is and whether it will succeed or not. Okay, this is what I think. The car is pretty much flawless. No, really, I'm not just saying that. It is brilliantly executed. It feels solid, it feels sporting, it's got enough verve to compete with the likes of the Alfa Romeo Stelvio that I drove recently. And does it in a more dignified way it has a sense of grace you know it's got a sense of occasion people ask you about it it's a very mature lovely bit of engineering and again like I said another product of Hyundai which I can't fault I genuinely can't I bet you sense that there's a but coming and here it is it's the brand Genesis. It's really hard to establish a new brand without a unique USP. Tesla did it. Neo are in the process of doing it. Can't think of any others. Dacia is an old brand reinvented. Skoda had to be turned round. Lexus has taken 30 years to establish before it's really judged at the same value as BMW and Mercedes. And this isn't the first attempt at an Asian manufacturer doing that sort of thing, of course, because Nissan, they had Infiniti and had to withdraw Infiniti from Britain. I think they're still selling cars in Europe, but no one would take Infiniti seriously. It didn't mean anything. I drove their cars, they were good, they were handsome, they were a bit stodgy, but they were just inherently Japanese. Now Lexus have managed to give us a view of Japanese ultra technology that also has that luxurious cachet that you get from Mercedes and BMW, but can anyone else do it? Can Korea do it? Well, yes. They have the technology, as they say about the $6 million man. Is this a $6 million car? But no, it feels like $6 million. It feels more like an Aston than anything else. I mean that. I've not driven the DBX, but when you walk towards a big, imposing SUV with that grille and that very winged logo, it subconsciously plants the idea of Aston Martin. So maybe this is what Genesis are doing. They're pitching over the heads. Aim for the stars, as Buzz Aldrin once said to me, Gareth. Aim for the stars and you'll clear the fence. So by aiming for Aston Martin, they're going to get Jaguar Land Rover. They're going to get Audi. And I think they have over-delivered with this car. There are, surprising delight, bells and whistles, novelty items on this car, which make you go, oh, I haven't seen that before. Oh, they offer that, do they? Is that what their USP is? Now, the name, Genesis. I've got various responses to that. The first one is an innate one, whereas someone who is 60 years old grew up with punk rock. Genesis were about as uncool, the band I'm talking about, as you can imagine. 
I know there were lots of people in 1976 to 1986 who really loved Genesis and thought they were the coolest band in the world, but they felt like the old guard. There's another meaning for Genesis as well. As a Star Trek fan, the word Genesis means, ah, Forbidden Planet's Genesis is. Yes, and I know that sounded like Yoda, but it's actually an alien who talks backwards in Star Trek. His name I don't know, but McCoy tries to borrow a ship or rent a ship off him to go to the Genesis planet where the Genesis device was let off. And the Genesis device rebuilds the existing matrix in favour of a new one, life that has been designed, turns dead planets into living planets instant terraforming and reforms any life forms on that planet in a new style i mean it's massive stuff genesis genesis so for me as a star trek fan that association with genesis is an up thing downside for me genesis the band upside genesis from star trek but i reckon neither of those two things were even on the study group's mind who were looking at the implications of the name Genesis when they decided to call this brand Genesis. Genesis, of course, means a beginning, doesn't it? But how is that going to be taken in America? Will the Bible Belt buy this car? Oh, Genesis, oh, you know, it will appeal to them. Or will people who are a-religious, agnostic or atheist, will they buy a car that's Genesis? Uh, they won't care, it doesn't mean anything to them. I'll buy a Genesis. So it may work in favour for them, may work against them. It's not the best name. I think there are other names. I think there are other more aspirational or neutral names that don't come with anything. Because this is going to slow down the perception of the brand Genesis, in my opinion. If it was a completely blank name, like, you know... Um, floater. Oh, no. <laughs> that means boo, doesn't it? Can't be floater. What would you call a premium car if you're going to invent one from scratch? De Dion? Would you borrow an old one? Lincoln Co. is a Chinese attempt. That's just weird. It would have to be sort of a new name like Thrombosis. Uh, no, that's the wrong word. It would be Throstis or Skrem. You know, a neutral word. Oh, those are bad examples. Twingo is one of the best neutral words you can invent but it won't do for something like this will it? it doesn't have the presence does it so yeah i think there may have been a better name i can't think what it is and i think that's going to slow them down establishing this brand and even the biggest corporations like hyundai kia like nissan only have a certain amount of time before they have to get a return on their investment and will the brand sell enough cars in that time before it becomes known to get it to a level where, yeah, it's sustainable? So I think it's a really risky strategy introducing a new premium car now rather than... Prepare to keep left onto M1 towards the south. Okay, thank you. I think it's a really risky strategy inventing a new brand. Very tricky. And here's that but that I alluded to earlier on. But, if anyone can do it, Hyundai can. They've got deep pockets. They've got the technology. They've got persistence. They've shown that they've put great people in place to design and build their cars and tailor them to the market that they're selling the car in. They can do it. The rest is up to us whether we accept this brand 
as a match for Jaguar, Audi, Mercedes, BMW. It really is a big ask. I don't know if you've seen the picture that I've published for this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. It's a picture of this car parked outside my friend Carol and Steve's house in North Wales with a beautiful rainbow behind it. And I don't know how good your Bible knowledge is, but the book of Genesis ends with the rainbow appearing over the flooded earth and Noah sees it from the ark. A sign of hope for the future so I hope Genesis do it because they make great cars do they make great brands well that's actually down to the rest of us conservative consumers and consumers generally are conservative so fortune favours the bold and I support this bold adventure and I can't wait to drive the other cars in their portfolio of vehicles that they're about to unleash on us particularly the electrified car but of course the shooting brake this is only the beginning of Genesis and I'm sure we'll be following it very carefully here on Gareth Jones on Speed this was Gareth Jones on Speed I was Gareth and I still keep discovering new things on this car that I like I forgot to mention you know I told you that when you turn right the taco on the right the tachometer vanishes and becomes an image from the camera in the wing mirror as to what's on the right hand side when you put the left hand indicator on your speedo vanishes and in the left hand dial you get a round image i love it i love this car it makes me smile it makes me feel special and in that case job done see you guys thanks for listening to send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!